0: I'd like to welcome you to my first combination podcast and YouTube video so it has been quite a while since I've done a yoga whiteboard video because I've been working on yoga therapy at the wall the book that I've been putting together for quite some time now so that I really had to focus on that so I stopped making videos because that can be a rather time-consuming process to film edit post but I really wanted to get back so as I'm wrapping up the book I wanted to get back to creating videos that follow my weekly lesson plans in the yoga class that I teach which is called yoga focus where each week there is a different theme or topic that I dive deeper into and At the beginning of each of my yoga classes, what I do is I talk for maybe about five minutes. I try to cap it at five minutes for um, explaining whatever the theme is for that week and what we're going to try to focus on as we go through our practice, what skill we're trying to cultivate. So I create this yoga board and I have to admit that in the beginning when I first started creating the yoga board, it was really something that I did for myself because I teach at the end of the day and I work my regular day job as a therapist and then by the time I get to the yoga studio, a lot of times the theme that I had created for my yoga class um, isn't crystal clear as it was when I wrote out my lesson plan. So I started giving myself this visual aid to just help to keep me on track when I was introducing the students to these different topics. and. It is kind of rolled into something different where I will create the board, I'll put quotes on it, I'll put information, sometimes I draw diagrams, all sorts of things can end up on the board and it becomes this really helpful visual cue when the students come in, it's up at the front of the room so that they can look at it, they can review it, it gives them an idea of what we're going to be working on even before I start to talk at the beginning of class. But what I found was that a lot of these topics that I was covering just talking about them for five minutes like a little snippet at the beginning of class for my students, I felt like I was leaving a lot of stuff out and I wanted to have a platform where I could elaborate on these topics more completely. So of course my YouTube videos followed after that where I would take the board and talk for 10 or 15 minutes to go even deeper into that topic. But I know I am a huge fan of podcasts and sometimes I can sit and watch a video, which is great, especially because I'm such a visual person. But a lot of times, if I'm at the gym or I'm walking my dog, I can't watch something and I love to listen to podcasts. So I thought it would be a great addition to what I'm offering. To take the videos that we do for the yoga board and put them into podcast format as well because a lot of them you don't necessarily have to see the board and of course the board is always posted on Instagram so you can go on Instagram to see the board if you're just listening to the podcast but I think if you're somebody who's looking for inspiration and different theme ideas Redford oh, Redford thinks it's playtime He's wondering why I'm sitting on the floor of the kitchen. So now my dog has come over to investigate So that's really what's led me to creating this combination of videos talking about the yoga whiteboard and a podcast format so that no matter what you're doing if you want to keep on top of these different forms of inspiration that you can go to either the Yoga Focus podcast or onto my YouTube channel. The first episode that I'm doing here, the first yoga whiteboard is something that was inspired by the book that I just finished reading. A couple weeks ago Patrick and I went on a trip to Puerto Rico and when I'm home I'm usually quite busy between work and teaching and working on my book that I don't get to read a whole lot, even though I love to read. So when I go on vacation or I'm traveling, it's such a treat for me to pick out the book that I'm going to bring with me because I get really excited about being able to read and having that space in between when we're waiting to get on the plane or when we're on the plane or any other times during the trip where there's a little bit of downtime and I can read. So the book that I chose to take with me was one that I've had for a while and I've used it here and there for a couple different exercises during class, but I've never read it cover to cover. So I really wanted to make sure I had time to do that. And that is the breathing book. And I've had a couple people tell me when I posted this on Instagram that this was actually a part of their required reading when they did their teacher training, which makes me so happy that this was used for teacher training. Cause I think it's a great foundation for yoga teachers. But when I took the breathing book with me, I had this whole plan that the last few weeks in class we were talking about self-awareness and interoception and building this whole layer of awareness internally. And then I wanted to build on that by doing several weeks focusing on breath work. And originally the idea that I had in my head was to do different forms of pranayama and how pranayama impacts our energy. and what it does to the different areas in our body. So I thought the breathing book would be a perfect thing for me to take and learn some new things about breathing. But I was rather mistaken, um, pleasantly, but rather mistaken about the topic of this book. So I saw breathing and to me in my head, I translated that to pranayama because that's what we think of as the specific breathing exercises that we do in yoga practice. But rather than talking about pranayama, in this book, Donna goes into how the essential breath, which is what she calls it, essential breath work, which is just our normal day-to-day breath. This is the breath that brings us throughout our day when we're not necessarily on our yoga mat and our mind is thinking about doing other things, getting our daily tasks done. We're not doing pranayama but we have this default setting that we go into with our breath. And for most people that default setting involves some level of breath holding and not to say breath holding in terms of totally stopping the movement of our breath. Although some of us will do that during the day. A lot of people have a tendency if you're really, really stressed to maybe stop the breath for a period of time, but breath holding, more in the idea that we are keeping this restriction at some places in our body so that our breath is restricted it can't go through its full natural movement of expanding and contracting. And Redford is angry that I'm not petting him right now so you can hear him (laughs) grumbling in the background (laughs) but um, the idea there is that Through the exercises in this book, what Donna calls inquiries, through these inquiries, you can start to gain the self-awareness of, well, where do I create restrictions to my breath? Where am I holding? For many of us, it's this idea of holding the belly in all the time. Sometimes we have this idea that if we constantly hold our stomach in that it's going to make us look slimmer or that if we hold our stomach muscles tight all the time that we will never have back pain which is not the case Um, what it does end up doing is it restricts the movement of the breath the natural movement of the breath and the ability for the diaphragm to go down to pull the air in So it's a restricted inhale and that can cause a lot of different things. It's going to cause us to rely more heavily on our secondary breathing muscles. So if you have chronic neck tightness, those upper traps that everybody seems to hold tension in or the front of the neck muscles, the sternocleidomastoids, those are secondary breathing muscles. They're not made to do the bulk of the work when we're breathing. But when we restrict the lower movement of the rib cage, the diaphragm, the belly, where we are supposed to get movement when we breathe, then we force the body to rely on those secondary breathing muscles. And they're smaller, they're not as powerful, so they will get overworked and they will respond to that by holding tension. So something to think about if you have chronic neck pain and shoulder pain that maybe hasn't come from a specific injury That's a whole separate thing But if you just have chronic tension in your neck and your shoulders and you can't quite figure out why you've tried to fix your posture You're thinking about your body mechanics, but you still have that tension there it might be related to the way that you're breathing instead of something that you're doing during the day So that's one of the major things that she talks about in the book is trying to break that, um, really it's a cultural habit that we've been taught that we need to always hold our belly in and that can be a very hard thing to break that habit. But through the inquiries in the book, working on freeing the belly, and there's some different positions that you do those inquiries in to start to allow yourself freedom of movement in those spaces. But for me it was, such a different way of looking at the breath because usually in yoga we're going through this process of trying to expand the breath with a rather strong degree of effort behind it I feel like we're kind of pushing the breath almost forcing it to happen especially when we're doing pranayama there's a fair amount of effort when we're doing things like kapalabhati or breath of fire or even the ujjayi breath, that normal breath that we use when we're doing yoga asana, that ocean-sounding breath, there's a force behind it and it has a warming quality. So it's not the same as that essential breath, that natural breath that we use throughout the rest of the day. And in the book, Donna explains that doing pranayama is great. You can use pranayama as a way to strengthen muscles, Build awareness to shift your energy which are all really useful things to us but it doesn't always translate to a healthier more effective natural breath pattern throughout the rest of the day you might be somebody who comes onto your yoga mat and when you're doing your yoga practice you are super aware of your breath and you're doing this beautiful ujjayi breath and it's really working well for you but then as soon as you step off of your yoga mat you go back into those breath-holding patterns of keeping your belly in, not moving your rib cage, using lots of upward effort into the neck and the shoulders. And I'll tell you something that I've noticed about myself Um, even with about 15 years now that I've been practicing yoga what I'll do is during the day especially if I'm at work And Things get a little bit hectic sometimes and then I'll have that thought I'll have that Moment of self-awareness where I go. Okay. I'm getting a little bit tightly wound right now And I can feel that tension in my body Take a deep breath. You need to relax. So I'll go like this. I'll inhale right up into my chest my shoulders go up. I'm exaggerating it, but that's the internal effort that I can feel when I force myself to take a deep breath in that moment of feeling stressed and I've labeled that my stress breath because I'm kind of trying to appease (laughs) my inner critic of okay relax take a deep breath and then I go for it and I just it's all upward effort into the shoulders and the neck and I can say for sure that when I have a day where I'm feeling a little bit more stress or it's been challenging I do tend to have neck and shoulder tension. Um, So I definitely think that for me that's a part of my breath pattern that I need to focus on creating a better essential breath pattern instead of just working on pranayama as I typically had done when I was on my yoga mat. But a lot of people might notice that pattern in themselves that when we inhale there's this upward movement of energy rather than a downward movement of energy. When you think about the way that the diaphragm moves, and it can be helpful to look at pictures or um, even a moving diagram of what the diaphragm does. When you're breathing, when you inhale, the diaphragm pulls down and flattens out and that creates a vacuum to pull the air in. So there's actually a downward movement on our inhale, even though we always use that for upward movement of the arms and things like that. Energetically, it is an upward movement, but physically, there's a downward movement, and that downward movement is essential to pull the breath in. So think about some of those patterns. Um, Checking in with yourself throughout the day can be really helpful. Part of building self-awareness is going through this check-in process during the day, at different times of the day, when you are experiencing different levels of challenge or stress or interpersonal communication. So when you're driving, when you're making breakfast, when you're at work, when you're taking phone calls, when somebody is disagreeing with you or arguing with you, or after somebody cuts you off in traffic, all of those times, if you take that second to notice what is my breath like right now, you're going to notice different patterns and that's totally normal. That is a natural process. Building that habit of checking in with the breath is going to start to build this level of awareness of yourself of when I'm relaxed and I'm home, my breath pattern tends to be like this. As soon as I am stressed or challenged, my breath pattern changes to be more like this. And then once you know what your pattern is, then we can go back and start to try to make some changes to it. But watching for that um, compensation pattern like I have, where when I force myself into taking that deep breath it ends up being um, a slightly more dysfunctional breath pattern where I'm just scrunching up my neck and my shoulders rather than allowing myself to move into that essential breath but I feel like reading this book has been so helpful for me just to give myself a different direction to move in instead of just using pranayama as my primary tool. So in the book Donna talks a lot about how to move or remove the restrictions to your breath. And I'll read you a quote that I posted on my Instagram that was from the book. So it says, learning to breathe well is not an additive process in which we learn specific techniques for improving the breath that you already have. It is a process of deconstruction where you learn to identify the things you are already doing that restrict the natural emergence of the breath. So that comes back to the idea of trying to let go of where we are holding, figuring out where your holding patterns are, and being able to create some openness in those spaces rather than trying to force your breath to move into those places that are not already open we have to create the space naturally and then let the breath naturally move into it the part of the yoga board here which I'm highlighting is that it's not a process of forcing the breath or manipulation it's about creating space and then the breath is naturally going to use that space if it wants it it depends on the activity that you're doing if you're sitting you're not going to need as large of a tidal volume as a change in your inhale and your exhale as you will if you are running or swimming or doing something that's eating up a lot of oxygen your breath pattern will be quite different or if you're in a very sweaty sun salutation your breath has to change to accommodate that rather than when you're sitting and you're meditating so we definitely have to allow space for that but I'll end off this yoga board by saying my favorite take home idea or visualization that I got from the book that I've been using in my practice is this idea of imagining a piece of driftwood. So if you think of driftwood on the ocean and the ocean is just gently rippling up and down and that piece of driftwood is bobbing up and down as the water moves effortlessly bobbing up and down. We want our body to be a lot like that when we're in the yoga poses. When we go into certain poses especially ones where we have this feeling of being goal-oriented. So say I have my legs stretched out here right now. If I was trying to go down and touch my toes I would have so much forward effort that I'm trying to touch my toes or maybe get past my toes that all of the effort is always in that direction but with the breath there's this constant rise and fall so Donna suggests that we work on this idea of feeling like that piece of driftwood that as you exhale there's this slight natural deepening but as you inhale there's a lifting out exhale slight deepening inhale lifting out and I'm exaggerating that so that you can see what I'm talking about. It's really just micro movements, millimeters within your pose. But the shift that happens is the difference between forcing yourself into the pose and forcing your breath to do a certain thing versus allowing there to be this very natural layer of movement where the body is gradually working towards something instead of being shoved. In that direction and it creates a more dynamic experience within your pose so just constantly reconnecting to what is natural for my breath right now where can I find this experience of ease and going with that natural flow of what is happening in that pose and I think there must be a cat outside because red is getting upset So I'll end on that and over the next couple of weeks I'll be putting together some more yoga whiteboards and some more videos and then transferring that into podcast format for the yoga focus podcast so that no matter what you're doing you can stay on top of the theme and the practice that we're working on for that week. So thank you so much for watching or listening. (laughs) Namaste. for sticking around to the end of the podcast. I just wanted to talk to you guys about the book that I released in June of 2019 which is called Yoga Therapy at the Wall. I've worked on this book for the past three years to create all of the pictures and all of the information in here. It's 162 pages and it's a full color manual. The chapters are broken down by body parts that we focus on using the wall to help us learn about different movement patterns and how to change some of the yoga postures to have a specific therapeutic focus. And you can really start to understand when you look at the book, why I feel like the wall is the most underutilized prop that we have in yoga. We kind of forget about these things that we have all around us and that we almost always have access to a wall to utilize in the practice. So, This manual will give you a ton of ideas to expand and start to utilize the wall as a prop. If you're interested in ordering, you can get the printed version on lulu.com. You can either take the link in the show notes or you can go on Lulu and look up yoga therapy at the wall. There's also a digital download option, but for that you have to go on Etsy. And my Etsy store is Healthy Focus by Laura G. Or you can just search yoga therapy at the wall. Thanks. Hope you enjoy it.